and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. Enneagram is awesome. It's, it really is an incredible uh, tool to help you understand yourself. If you haven't signed up for the workshop, I really, workshop, I really do recommend that you do it. You'll Instead of just getting down on yourself all the time, you'll be able to say, oh, this is why I do this and think this way, and this is how I can change this. So I think that's pretty cool for all of us, right? How many know it's, it's good for everybody else to change but not us? And uh, the honest truth is we all need to change. We all need to adapt and to learn to grow. And we've been doing that over years. I, I feel like... Um, even with uh, e- even with uh, pastoring here for thirty four years, I feel like it's it's a constant change that goes on in my life. It, it's never exactly the same. There there are things, people change, situations change, cultures change, ideas change. There there. How many of you know there are new ideas out there about the church than there was thirty years ago? And, and so things change, and you have to learn to roll with that change, and you have to learn to operate in that change. And uh, while, I'm, while I'm up here talking about uh, change, we used to have a school, a supernatural ministry school, which we had a lot of students, a lot. In fact, I think a pretty high percentage of our students are now actually active in ministries. And, um, and so I think that uh, in, in saying that, I look over and I see this beautiful memory in her family over here. And we're going to be ordaining her right after the service today. So just welcome them here today. It's good to have you guys. Memory is, she's just, just amazing. She just, caught, she just caught the whole concept of bringing the kingdom of God here on earth that is, is in heaven. And she actually, with her own finances, her own money, she actually um, opened an orphanage in Mozambique. Or not Mozambique, in Zimbabwe, so thank you. And uh, so now she has that orphanage, and she's, she lives here. She's uh, installed people there to operate it when she's not there, and she goes back and forth all the time. Amazing girl doing an amazing work in the community back there in Zimbabwe and, and just changing lives, just helping to make people have better lives for themselves. And I just think it's awesome. So we're just... She called me up, uh, I think it was probably a month and a half ago, she called me up and she said, could you ordain me? And I said, I'd be honored, absolutely. So we're going to do that today. It's awesome. Um, I, I t- you know, speaking of changes, if you've been here for any amount of time, say maybe five years, ten years, you've noticed a difference in the uh, size of our congregation and, and the amount of people that are still in here, something happened, uh, you know, during COVID, COVID happened, something did happen, COVID did happen. And a lot of people haven't returned. Some people relocated. I, I've talked to so many pastors that are in the same, uh, same type of boat where people are transitioning, they're, they're relocating, they're just, you know, many of them are asking, why am I still living in my town that I've lived in for 30 years? Why not find someplace better? And so they're moving around, going to different places. And um, we've seen... Uh, we've seen a lot of transitions over the years with people um, as far as who we have here. I've often told people that we'd have well over a 1,000 people if everybody who came here and was connected for a certain amount of time stayed. 
and we'd be a, a pretty large church. And we were growing pretty good when COVID hit. Uh, we were excited about some momentum, some things that were coming. COVID hit. We had to shut down. You know the whole story. We shut down, and then uh, some people just couldn't come back. They had work restrictions, uh, various other restrictions that they're, they were tied to and committed to. And so that in itself creates this, um, it, it creates a loss, so to speak, not just of, of bodies, but of friendships and people that we've tied in with over the years. And um, so this t- took me on a journey, okay? We, d- we got back from our mini-sabbatical, and on our mini-sabbatical, we were really on a journey to just discover who we were. Kind of like we, we felt like we needed to kind of like step away for the short time that we did in order to find ourselves again. Because somehow we'd lost ourselves in all the pain and all the hurt um, with, with all the leaving that had, has been taking place. And like I said, for us, it's been for years. We've had uh, families that have left for, for years. We've just, we recognize they, they need to move on. They need to go other places. We understand that. Um, but it's still, you still feel the pain of that separation. And so um, in, in saying all this, I, I, we have been praying, really earnestly praying about you guys and the church and, uh, you know, what we can do to build a, a better, more, I, I'm looking for a word, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a word, but a better connection with each other so that you guys can actually connect to our vision. And that you can actually connect to each other with that vision. And that we can, you know, we're, we're starting outreaches. We're starting to get various outreaches going. And we're starting to do some things to get, kind of like get us out, not just out of this building. We don't want you guys leaving the building. I hope you understand what I'm saying. It, it was years ago when we first started the church, we had a motto. It was um, restoring, equipping, and sending. And after we came up with that motto, people started leaving the church. And we were like, what? What's going on? And, you know, so we called some people up. Hey, you know, is everything okay? We haven't seen you in a while. What, you know, you restored us, you equipped us, and now you sent us. And I said, well, we didn't really send you, but okay. Uh, that's not really what we meant. So we took that motto out of our, out of our bulletin, you know, and uh, just thought, okay, this was easily misunderstood. And, and then um, uh, we drafted a vision. We took a team out to, uh, Bethel was doing a, um, they were doing uh, a team lead thing, Paul Manwaring, who's an amazing administrator. The guy is just so organized in his head. He actually came out of England. He, he um, was a supervisor of prisons over there in England, and he actually tr- completely transformed the prison system in, in England that he was at. Because he come in, he see these prisoners who were basically treated like dogs by the guards and society, they were just the outcasts and thrown off in there. And, and, and he saw all these prisoners that were just lost in their outcastness. And he came in as an administrator of the prisons and he said, we've got to change this. We've got to give these guys identity. We've got to let them know that, that they're, they're people that are important to society, how we can train them to be better people living in society. And so he came in and he just adjusted the whole thing because he created a vision for the prison system. And once the prison system saw a vision... They were able to motivate the prisoners to get going and to, uh, to really establish themselves in the community, establish themselves in life with their families. And so this whole thing of, 
uh, doing this, we took a team out, um, Jonathan and Paul, my son Jeremy, and who else? Steve. We took a team out to this class, and we sat out there, and Paul is, see, Paul's su- he's such an intellectual. He's got, he's got this, this ability, this gift to administrate, to put things on lists and details, to, to itemize everything, break it down. I'm nothing like that. I'm just not. You know, I, 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 it would be nice if I was. It would be helpful for all you guys if I was. But I'm not. So I realized I needed to find some people that could, that could help. So we go to this group. We're sitting in the group. And Paul's got all these whiteboards. And he's got all these graphs. And he's got all these diagrams and pyramids and different structures that he's doing to teach. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm dead. I'm sunk. This is how I can't do this stuff. How is this going to work, you know? And so I talked to Paul about it. I said, Paul, I don't, I, honestly, I, I don't really understand a lot of what you're drawing up there. You know, I pulled him aside and talked to him, not in the group. And so he, he looked at me and he goes, okay. He goes, that's okay. He goes, look, all you need to do is tell your team, talk to your team, tell your team what's on your heart, what you see Faith Worship Center as and what you see the people, uh, you know, doing. And so I started to share my heart. We just started going into it, and they started taking notes. Uh, Jonathan was taking notes. I know he was, and Steve was taking notes, and they started taking notes. And after we were all done, we got together, and we communicated, put together our vision, which is to live as a people who bring the power of God and the will of his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And that is our vision. So we've had this vision for a a long, long time, and we've been making uh, steps towards it. But then we we would keep hearing from people, you guys don't have a vision, you lack a vision, you know, you, you just we need a vision, you need vision. And we'd keep hearing this over and over and over again. I'm I'm like, I'm going, we have a vision, we have a vision. We posted it on the walls, we've got it around here, we've got it on our website. And so we take this sabbatical to get away, this mini sabbatical, and as we're getting away, we've come back and and have ordered some various uh books on helping us to understand vision, helping us to understand um, uh, people better. Like Lynn found a book, How to Love Difficult People. I figured a pastor, that's a good book for a pastor to read. It's a good book for people to read about their pastor. <laughs> but Because, <laughs> I mean, I am a difficult person. I understand that about myself. It's part of the Enneagram. I got that. So... Um, so, like, we've been pouring ourselves reading into this stuff, and I'm, I'm reading these books, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is so good. This is so timely. It's such a timely thing for, uh, for us to get our hands on this. And then Lynn ordered a book called uh, Dream Like Jesus Dreamed. And that book, I picked that book up, and I'm about three-quarters of the way through it now. I started reading it uh, this last week. I picked it up, started reading it. As I'm reading through it, I... I'm coming to see all this stuff, and she's talking about vision. She's talking about purpose. She's talking about goals. She's talking about um, how come you know how come your numbers reduce in your church, and uh, you know she started pointing out uh, things that you can look at that are taking place in your church, uh, like no more young people seem to be there, and various things like this. And I'm reading all these things of of the things that might be wrong in in your church community, and I'm seeing all these things that are going on, and I'm going, oh wow. Wow, this is there, there's a lot there. And then as I'm reading this book, I'm beginning to see that you guys 
are along for all this ride too. You're seeing friends that leave and people that leave that you know. And maybe you're hearing the different reasons and the various things that they might be saying. We don't hear a lot of it, you know. They they just kind of like they they tell us you're really nice. We want to find place someplace closer. Like we had uh, eight families just recently moved to different states. That's a big transition. Uh, since COVID, we've had 43 families that have not come back. That's families. So that's like not individuals in those families. That's 43 groups of families that have left. And so we've been like, we've been looking at this and going, okay, we something needs to be done. So I'm reading this book, uh, Dream Like Jesus Dreamed, and as I'm reading it, I'm picking up insight and picking up, picking up understanding as to what one of our major problems has been here in Faith Worship Center, besides myself and my lack of ability to communicate the vision properly. One of the major drawbacks that we've had is that it came to this part of the book that I was reading. I'll just say it how she said it. She said, if your church has a vision, it's supposed to be bigger than your people. It's supposed to be bigger than what you can accomplish. It has to go beyond, and it's supposed to be such a broad-stroke general vision. It's supposed to, you're, you're supposed to read this thing. People are supposed to read it and say, man, that looks so far away from my life. I don't even know how I'm going to do that. Now, how am I going to live as a people who bring the will of God and the power of his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? How am I going to do that? That's like That's big. That's really, really big. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be almost mission impossible for you. Okay, that's a that's a true accurate vision. But what I realized as I'm reading this book, she said, what a lot of people do is they have a broad stroke vision like that. And she said, if I can get you to understand it, to compare it to a photograph, if if it's a landscape painting and and you have this beautiful landscape that's out there, and way in the distance you have these mountains, beautiful mountain peaks, but they're way far away. That's what your vision is supposed to represent. And she said, what a lot of leaders fail to understand is they can have a great vision, but they lack the goal to be able to have the people step into bring the vision. And I read that and I went, okay, this is, this is, what, this is really what we need to do. We need to help you guys have set goals for your life, set goals for our community to find different ways that we can be actively doing the vision. To live like Jesus lived. You know, he lived with his father's will in mind. And that's the journey that we're on. I wanted to explain that to you today because when I talked last week, or when I shared the week before, and I talked, we're going to stay here, you guys. We're not going anywhere. It was after we got back from our break. You know, we love this place. We love New England. We're called here to New England. It's not just, I didn't just wake up one morning back in 1978 and say, well, I think I, I, I want to stay in New England. Like, no, God put a heavy impression on my heart for this area. And I don't, some of you may have been around here and been involved in churches back in 1978. And some of you might not have, but it, it was, you know, they, they called New England pastor's graveyard. And they also said it was a very hard, cold place. And I heard all that stuff, and I just went, no, this is not the case. I'm coming from outside, coming in, going, this, this place is beautiful. There's beautiful people here. I, I, I saw my wife's family, you know, my wife's family, 
who had a history of being here ever since pilgrims landed here in Shirley. They, they've been in Shirley for over 200 years. And I watched her family do family. And coming from uh, California into that culture where uh, people stay put, they don't, they don't dislodge, they don't separate, they stay together. Her family all lived within a block. You know, they've got Farnsworths all over the place there. And it's like, to me, that was so different. And it, it's, it's like, this is really good. And, you know, the Thanksgivings would come, the Christmases would come, and I'd be sitting there in Thanksgiving and Christmas just going, man, this is, this is beautiful. Not that I didn't have a good family. I had a great family. But it was different to experience that here. And I feel that's why God put this call in my heart. See, you need to stay put. And so when we started the ministry, it was long-term was involved. We didn't, we didn't have this idea we were going to come in and, and have a three-year turnaround. We were going to stay for the long run, and we were, going to, you know, we were going to do this. And we've seen God do incredible things, you know, incredible things. We've seen healings and miracles. We've seen people blessed with cars, uh, homes fixed, roofs fixed that needed to be fixed. We've blessed a lot of people in, in the church. In our community, we've been involved. We used to go to the nursing homes, uh, you know, after church. We would have church service here in the early 90s. We'd have church service here, and then we'd go to the nursing homes. Every week after church, we'd take a little group of our kids. We'd drag our kids, and the Williams would drag their kids, and Moores would drag their kids. And we'd go into these nursing homes, you know, where, where the people are drooling over themselves, and, and, you know, some of them are just lost. They're holding dolls and, and all that kind of stuff. And we'd, we'd go in there, and I'd get my guitar, and we'd play, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let all God's people praise the Lord, lift up those holy hands, shake off those holy, shake not holy bands, shake off those bands, or whatever it was, and we'd sing that song, and all these old people would be, and we'd just be like, man, we'd just be going for it, we'd have church there, so we'd have two church services on a Sunday, and we had workers get saved. I can remember one testimony, a guy that was in his 50s. I sat down and talked with him. He's a resident. And I'm having this conversation. He's 55. I'm having this conversation. And it's a normal conversation. I said, what are you doing here? And he goes, well, my family says I need to be here. And I said, why? And he goes, well, I have severe depression. And I said, would you, would you like to accept Jesus? Would you like to get rid of that depression? He goes, he goes, I can't. And I said, why? And he goes, I stepped into a church up in Maine, and they told me that I blasphemed the Holy Spirit, and I can never be saved. And I'm sitting there, and I just broke. And I said, I'm so sorry that God's people did that to you. I said, do you want to be saved? He goes, I'd love to be saved, but I can't. I committed the unpardonable sin. I said, no, you did not. If you committed that sin, you would not want to be saved. And I led him to the Lord right there at that table in the nursing home. He started crying. He felt the presence of God come in his life and set him free. We came back two weeks later because we alternated nursing homes every week. We came back two weeks later. He was gone. I said, hey, where's Bill? And they said, Bill no longer needed to be here. We've seen God do this, okay? But these were goals. We were practicing our vision before we even formulated the vision. And the thing, the thing about it is, is that we, you, us together, Need specific goals to get this done. Wendy gets up and we got a sock ministry going on for uh, as an outreach to the homeless. You know how important that is to homeless people? You know what kind of message that sends to them? That people are actually concerned about us. They're actually wanting us to have nice things. It's beautiful. 
its kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. It might be simple. It might be uh, something that seems natural, okay? But honestly, Jesus, he just did things supernaturally naturally. He just did. He took things on his own. He had he took things his own responsibility, right? I mean, he's like he's got these crowds following him in 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 the outskirts of the city. And his disciples come to him and they say, "The crowds are hungry. We need to send them home so they can get something to eat. They haven't eaten in days." And Jesus just looks at his disciples. Guess what he does? He looks at his disciples and he says, "You feed them." Guess what he was doing? He was giving them a goal. He was giving them a goal to reach the vision, to bring heaven on earth. And he says, you feed them. He's giving them a goal. And they're like stuck in their like lack, right? They're like stuck in like, oh, that vision is way too big for me. I could just almost picture Peter saying it. What? Well, okay, so you want us to go get in our boats and start fishing? That would have been his first, first thought. And that would have even been a lack. But he said, no, you feed them. And then he said, what do you have here? And they had the five loaves and the the fishes. Jesus blessed those five loaves and fishes. And then he handed those five loaves and fishes to the disciples. And they went out and distributed the five loaves and fishes. And it multiplied to feed 25,000 people. They... Let me, I need to say this again because I, I feel like it's important. Jesus gives them a vision. They take the vision in their hands, and it doesn't look any different. It's five loaves, four fishes, or five fishes and four loaves. I don't know which it is, but he takes that. It's because I'm not a good administrator and don't do details. He takes, he, takes those, he takes those things. He blesses it. He hands it back to him exactly the same way that they gave it to him. Now it's in their hands. Exactly the same way that they gave it to him. It's in their hands. And then they step. And it begins. I I could imagine the shock, okay? I could imagine the shock. They distribute all that they have in their little basket. And the first person takes it. The second person takes it. The third person, fourth person, fifth person. And they're watching it. It's possible it went right on down to the fifth person. And there's one thing left in the fifth fifth person grabs it and all of a sudden the plate fills back up with more because God is not a God of lack he deals with the uh, he, he deals with the aspect of multiplication he deals with the aspect of growth he deals with the aspect of momentum and going forward you understand he's given us his mission his goal to get things done for New England And we're here in New England, okay? You guys are still here with us at Faith Worship Center. You haven't left. You haven't gone. You've watched some friends leave. You've watched some people go. And that hurts, and that's sad. And we've experienced that over the years. But we didn't stop, and we didn't quit, and we didn't say, everybody's leaving, the workers are leaving, what are we going to do? We just kept pursuing God and kept seeing. He gave us something to do. Let's do it. And that's the mission for you guys. You guys, right here. We thank you, Dottie. We 
we met with our staff and it's like, it looks like we're going to have to rebuild. That's the journey we started on. My wife and I, when we took the mini sabbatical, we're going to have to rebuild. I think the last service that we had here before we left, there was like 15 people or 20 people in here. And it was scary to see a big room with such a small group of people. And I've been on this journey, and I've been, like, talking to the Lord about it. I'm just saying, Lord, you know, what's going on? What is it our time? Is it, do we need to quit? Do we need to step aside? We really had those questions bombarding us. You're, you've gotten too old for the people. They can't follow you anymore. No, I'm serious. We had all these questions. It's just like you're in the way. Step out of the way. You just get out of the way. All these things were bombarding. It's what not the Lord was telling us this, but all these thoughts, all these, these things. We're all, you know, we're looking at what we had in our hands going, this is not enough. Culture has changed so much. We've got people criticizing the church, people saying that the church is an idol, the building's an idol, everything's an idol. There's all this talk of negativity. You have culture in itself that doesn't like Christianity. We've got social media uh, giants that are shutting Christians' feeds down, shadowing them so that they can't be seen. Okay, you've got all this stuff that's going on, and we're here, people. We're here to make a difference. And so we have to look at the situation and we have to say, what can we do to change our communities, to change our culture? And for the first time in my life, in a long time, I'm excited again. I'm like... It's like I said two weeks ago, the devil has seriously overplayed his hand. He has seriously overplayed it. He's basically gone to God and say, I challenge you. Yeah, let me try to destroy the church and see what you have left in your kingdom. So our part, one of the, one of the things that we need to do, one of the things that... Um, you know, we've been looking at, I've been looking at personally, I got this, uh, I got this revelation downloaded just a couple weeks ago to me and just in a, play, a prayer session. And as I was sitting there just contemplating the goodness of God and talking to the Lord about it, I asked this simple question, how many disciples did you start with? Two. How long he had those disciples? I don't know, but he started with two. And then it grew. One by one, by one, by one, by one, into 12. And he had these 12 guys who were commoners, just like us, fishermen, doctors, lawyers, whatever, tax collectors. He takes these guys, he takes these guys, and these are his guys that the Father has shown him. And he takes these guys, and they begin to go with him three and a half years. They do signs and wonders. He sends them out. Don't take purse. Don't take uh, any food. Don't take any extra clothing. Go into the villages. Go into the communities. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. That's Jesus' vision. You want to dream like Jesus dreamed. He dreamed big. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. If you come into a place and they bless you, then stay in that place. If you come into a place and they don't accept you, then just shake the dust off your feet and go on. 
but heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. No matter what anybody thinks about it, no matter what anybody says about it, no matter what anybody does with it, no matter how many of you decide you're no longer going to follow, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. He takes those guys, three and a half years, they go out, they do it, they come back, they're all jacked up, they're all excited, they're like on heaven steroids. Whoa, the, the demons listen to us! We saw the dead raised. We saw the sick healed. We saw the demons flee. All excited. And Jesus said, rejoice not in that, which I believe he was saying, rejoice not in just that, but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. You have been redeemed. And you've been given a mission. And now you're accomplishing it. And then he... He gets crucified, dead, buried, put into a tomb. And these common guys who have left their livelihoods, who have followed Jesus for all that time, are now like without a vision. They're without a leader. They, they don't know what to do. I, I would have to think that that group, right after Jesus was put into that tomb, was probably the most depressed group in Jerusalem. They just had no idea what was going to be coming. For three and a half years, you're investing your life into someone. They're gone. And you're left. So he tells them before, or he, he no, he doesn't tell them. He, he shows up. He shows up in the room. They're sitting in the room, just depressed bunch of guys. Peter's probably kicking himself with shame after shame. I mean, I denied him. I denied him. I'm going to, what's the point in living? These guys are really discouraged, and he shows up into the room. And they're like, whoa, yes. Let's start traveling again. Let's start going out and healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. And he says, no, I'm going away. And I'm going to pray to the Father to give you the comforter of the Holy Spirit. So go to Jerusalem and wait. When you go to Jerusalem, wait until the Holy Spirit comes and you will receive power from on high to be my witnesses. And that's what happened. That's how the church was formed. Those 11 guys that he showed up to in that room. They waited. Holy Spirit fell. Fire. Tongues of fire. Winds. Just a violent rushing that goes in that room. It, the, Holy, the presence of the Holy Spirit was so intoxicating that everybody that was seeing this thought they were drunk. And Peter had to get up and explain. It's before 12 o'clock. Nobody's drinking here. They're not drunk, as you suppose. But this is that which was promised by the prophet in the last days. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams. Your old men, or your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. This is it. This is that. 
Everybody's seen it. Everybody there is obviously the, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And they all said, what can we do to be saved? The Holy Spirit is going to stir a hunger. I believe it's happening right now in our area. I believe it's happening even on social media. I believe that there's a hunger that's being stirred. Amongst all the aggression, politically, everything else, amongst all the aggression, there is a hunger that's being stirred. People, our neighbors, our friends, the people that we work with, the people that live here in New England, these people are in the midst of this too. And, and a lot of them don't understand the spiritual dynamics that are taking place. But I can tell you, as the Bible says, sin is pleasurable for a season, and the season is running out. And God is awaking, and he's awakening hearts. And we're right here at this time to be able to do something about it. But we'll be revisiting this not in a message, but we're going to be spending some time together with the elders and with the, the team and strategizing on how we can set these goals for you guys and, and make it doable, make our vision doable for you. Not that you can ever do it all the way perfectly right any more than I can do it all the way perfectly right, but so that we can get closer to the mountain. Okay? You guys good with that? It's awesome. Because you're, you're really who we have with us right now. You're, you're our builders. And I think you guys can do a great job. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.